We shall fight with growing confidence and growing strength in the air. We shall fight on the beaches. We shall fight on the landing grounds. We shall fight in the fields and in the streets. We shall never surrender until in God's good time, the new world, with all its power and might, steps forth to the rescue and the liberation of people. In times of universal deceit, truth is the only rebellion left. On today's show, I'm going to talk about first things and second things again, and how C.S. Lewis warned us, when you put second things first, you get neither the second or the first. You sacrifice both. I'm going to apply this principle to diversity, equity, and inclusion, and wokeness. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion. Good morning and welcome to The Rebellion. Thank you for listening into the show. Well, one of the things I've talked about on this show repeatedly over the years is the C.S. Lewis principle of first and second things. I suppose it's not unique to Lewis, and he probably didn't even uh, originate it. I'm sure this principle has been longstanding prior to Lewis making it clear for us. But one of the things he talks about in his writing is first and second things, priorities, your summum bonum, your ultimate good. What is your true north, the thing you hold above all else? Well, Lewis told us that you have to put first things first if you're going to get them, and that if you reverse the order and put some second things first, you sacrifice both those things that you have put in the wrong order as well as the first things that you compromise to get there. And this is a principle that's true, and it's playing itself out in spades right now in our culture more specifically in the culture wars that we're dealing with right now. Diversity, equity, inclusion, uh, subjective identity claims, LGBTQIA, um, social and emotional learning. The list goes on and on. Black Lives Matter, Marxism versus capitalism. All of these things that you could put under the umbrella of wokeness today are a perfect example, the quintessential example of putting second things as our ultimate priority and sacrificing everything as the result of doing that. In other words, we're cutting off our nose to spite our face. We say we believe in justice, but because we elevate social justice above biblical justice, we sacrifice all justice and nothing is just. We say we believe in peace and love, but then we elevate violence above peace and love in order to achieve peace And what do you get? You don't get peace, you don't get love, you get death. The list goes on and on and on. We say we believe in sexual liberty, and then what happens? We engage in sexual libertarianism, sexual libertinism, sexual licentiousness, and what do you get? You get sexual disease, and therefore, at the end of the day, you have no sexual liberty because you've compromised your body. This is today's uh, reality. This is today's zeitgeist. This is today's cultural war, and I'm going to talk about that on today's show, and I'm going to do so by going back and sharing a couple stories of this last week that shine a spotlight on that reality, where people from the progressive left are actually coming out and saying they're advocating for violence right now as a means of achieving what they think is their ultimate good. And you have to just raise an eyebrow and ask them, I thought you people were folks of peace and justice. 
love and inclusion, diversity, equity. I thought these were your ultimate goals, but yet you're willing to kill people. You're willing to kill those who disagree with you as a way to get there? Isn't there something wrong with this? They don't even want to admit that they have exposed themselves as being the antithesis of the very ideals that they claim to hold. So let's take a break, and when I get back, I'm going to share with you a couple news stories that I think highlight this reality that we're living in right now. But I'm going to try to end on a positive by sharing with you that there is hope, and there is a great deal of hope, because God can and will redeem us. The lesson of history is he always redeems, he always steps in, and he takes the mess that we've created, and he makes a miracle out of it. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion. I'll be right back in a couple minutes. In 1978, George and Kate Tedford set out to protect Oklahoma businesses better. Today, their son and our CEO, Mark Tedford, is excited to carry on his family's legacy. Professional liability, compliance, property, workers' comp, health and life. Tedford Insurance's dedicated team gives you access to the nation's largest insurance providers, negotiates the best rates, and protects their own legacy like no one else. Call 918-299-2345 or tedfordinsurance.com. The Patriot Auto Group, locally owned and operated. The Patriot family of dealerships takes great pride in supporting the communities we serve throughout the great state of Oklahoma. The Patriot Auto Group's charitable work has been recognized throughout Oklahoma. Whether it's visiting one of our local dealerships or simply shopping and buying online with our doorstep delivery, the Patriot Auto Group takes the stress out of buying a new or used vehicle. And every purchase comes with our exclusive peace of mind, Patriot Pledge. You get engines for life, plus one-year maintenance, and 10 full years of roadside assistance, plus so much more. Sure, we can sell you a car, but supporting our community and lending a hand to our neighbors in need? Sold. The Patriot Auto Group. Proud Oklahomans in the communities we serve. Welcome back to The Rebellion. So one of the things I go to all the time on this show is education. It's one of my specialties because I made my entire career in the academy. Almost all of my career, with the exception of just a couple years, which were in political, were in the political arena. I was the campaign manager for a state representative in Michigan at the very first part of my career when I was in my early 20s. But except for that, I've been in the educational arena, um, higher education, colleges and universities, primarily in the Christian liberal arts market. You know that. If you listen to the show at all, you know that's my career background. So I think education is important. And the reason I think it's important is because of what I've said repeatedly on this show, and that is ideas matter. Ideas have consequences. There's no such thing as a neutral idea. Value neutrality is a ruse. All values have a, a, a point. There is an objective. There's a reason for the value. It's not neutral. It's not as if you don't care. In fact, that would be an oxymoron to, to claim that values don't care or the reason you hold your values um, is indifference. To claim or pretend that you're indifferent about your values is just foolish. It's silly. And you know that that's not true regardless of which, which side of the cultural fence you're on or the political fence or the religious fence or the ideological fence. Whatever you want to talk about, 
you hold your values, you value things because you believe that they have greater worth than something else. In fact, the word value suggests that. It suggests worth and that this thing is worth more than that thing. And that's the reason that you've embraced it. That's the reason you've pursued it. That's the reason you bought it. If you want to look at it in terms of things that you purchase with your money, you purchase things that you value. You valued a home, so you bought it. You valued that car, so you bought it. You valued giving money to that particular charity, and you chose to give it to that charity, to that church, to that nonprofit versus another because you believe that that particular organization is closer to your summum bonum, your highest good, the thing that you value most. So value neutrality is nonsense. Like I said, it's an oxymoron. It's self-refuting to claim that you're value neutral. And it's the same with ideas. Some ideas you value more than other ideas. And this story I'm going to share with you right now is the quintessential example of what the left values. And we can't ignore that. You have some people coming out right now and admitting that they value Marxism so much. They value wokeism so much. They value um, SEL, social emotional learning, DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion, BLM, Black Lives Matter, SJW, social justice warriors. They value these things so much that they're willing to engage in violence to get the thing that they value most. It is their first thing. But it's really not. It's not their first thing. It's really a second thing. And because they've embraced the second thing rather than the first thing, they're going to get nothing. They, they say they want peace, but they're willing to commit violence to get it. So they lose both. They say that they believe in love, but they're willing to be hateful towards those that disagree with them in order to get love, so they lose both. They say they want economic justice, but they're willing to destroy the economy in order to get it, and therefore everybody is left in poverty because they stole money from everyone. And thus the government, the oligarchs, the people that are actually in power over the entire population are the only ones who have enough resources to survive in a comfortable way. Everybody is committed to the gulag because of economic justice. Does this make sense to you? Because they put second things first, they get neither the first or the second. We've got to get our priorities straight if we're really going to live in a land that's free and just, beautiful and good. Let's go back to this article. Um, This is from Fox News. And this is about a teacher in Maryland. Now, She uses profanity repeatedly in this, and I don't even like, um, I don't even like replacing the profanity with, for example, the F-bomb. I don't like saying F-blank because obviously you're still implying the word. So I'm just going to say blank rather than even uh, using the first letter of the word, if that makes sense to you. Uh, It just bothers me. I, I, I don't like the word. I don't like the fact that people can't improve their vocabulary and communicate without engaging in this guttural expression. And I don't even like it when we try to replace the word with F blank, even though I'm doing it right now trying to explain to you where I'm going to go. But I'm not going to do that any further in this show. Uh, The Fox article does do that. It's got the F blank. I'm just going to say blank. You got me there? So the blank angry Marxist teacher calls for urgent war against capitalism. Revolutions involve violence. That's her quote. And then she says this. Her name is Rebecca Rothstein, okay? And she says, liberal as blank. 
Maryland teacher Rebecca Rothstein posted about providing Marxist literature to kids. All right, so she calls herself liberal as blank, and she boasts, she brags about providing Marxist literature. She says that, that is her language to the kids in her classes. Here's the story. A Maryland teacher who described herself as proud as blank to be a liberal and bragged about indoctrinating, her words, she says that, her students called for an urgent fight against capitalism while adding, revolutions involve violence. Again, that's her quote, revolutions involve violence. The teacher, again, this is the article, I'm reading directly from it, Rebecca Rothstein, works at North Bethesda Middle School. A middle middle school. So you've got 12-year-olds, 13-year-olds, 14-year-olds being indoctrinated by this teacher in a public school in Montgomery County in Maryland. North Bethesda, Maryland school system. Okay, in Montgomery County School District. This school uh, teacher, Rebecca Rothstein, openly admits that she uses her classroom to turn her kids, her students, the 12, 13, and 14-year-old students under her charge into anti-racist activists. And she was on TikTok recently where she posted that she is advocating for violence, violent revolution to achieve Marxism in our culture. Here's her quote. As a teacher, I wish we could do more with our students like teach anti-racism and how to be kind to people. Here's the, here's the incredible self-refuting claim that she's going to make right now. She just says she wants to teach anti-racism, so she claims that racism is bad. At least that's what's implied in that language. And then she wants people to be kind to one another. And then she goes on and says this. And one of the other things I hate about uh, communication style today is the constant use of the word like. If you have to use that as a filler word, word all the time and you can't control yourself, then you're, you're not communicating very professionally, very maturely. You sound like a valley girl. So get that word out of your vocabulary. I don't care who you are. If you're constantly inserting that word as nothing but filler, you're talking more like a valley girl from Southern California who's 13 years old than you're talking like a mature adult. I wouldn't hire anybody that's using that word all the time, quite frankly, because it's undisciplined, it's immature, and it just isn't professional. My land, learn to communicate. I'm not, I'm not saying we all communicate perfectly, but my goodness, can't you get that stupid word out of your sentences? Use it when it's needed, and don't use it just as filler. Uh, one of my pet peeves. So let's go back to this teacher. She says, and I repeat, as a teacher, I wish we could do more with our students, like teach anti-racism and how to be kind to people. And then she goes on, does anyone else feel like we can skip math, skip the science, like we'll do that next year. Maybe this year we focus on teaching our youth how to be anti-racist, she said on TikTok. All right, so she just said that she doesn't come. She doesn't think math and science is important. We can just skip that. We'll skip math and science. We'll do that next year. But what we need to be talking about is teaching our students to be anti-racist. Now, the reason she says anti-racist rather than teaching them not to be racist is because anti-racist is driven by critical theory. Anti-racism is reverse racism. If you say that you don't believe in racism, then they will say, well, you're just spouting off white privilege. You need to be taught to be an anti-racist. 
And what is anti-racism? Well, it's reverse racism. It's judging people by the color of their skin rather than the content of their character. It's pointing the finger of everybody uh, at everybody else who is of a given race and saying, you are the problem. You're what's wrong with our world, what's, what's wrong with our country, what's wrong with our community, and what's wrong with our culture. That's anti-racism. And until you admit that, then you are a racist, even though you claim to be against racism. Until you embrace anti-racism, you are a racist by definition. You see what I'm doing here? You see what they're doing. They're actually putting anti-racism as their first thing rather than racial equality. And as the result, they get neither. They don't have racial equality. They don't have racial justice because they were anti-racist and elevated that as their first thing above equality, And therefore, no one's equal because they're oppressing everybody of a different race that doesn't agree with them. Okay, so back to the article. Here's what it says on Fox News. Rothstein also posted about providing Marxist literature. Again, it's in quotation marks because that's her words. Providing Marxist literature to the kids and said, blank capitalism, quote unquote. She shared in one instance that she was, quote, tired after a long day of indoctrinating students, quote unquote. She said that. She said she wanted to provide and is providing, quote, Marxist literature, close quote. And then she said, quote, blank capitalism, close quote. And then on her TikTok account, she says that she's tired after a long day of indoctrinating students, close quote. She goes on, I had to unbrainwash myself from capitalism in order to fall in love with socialism and communism. If everyone had the same amount of money, then money wouldn't be worth anything. Close quote. Capitalism must go, she said. And then in the same video, she says this. Quote, revolutions involve violence. Close quote. Got that? So, blank capitalism, Marxist literature. I had to brainwash myself from capitalism in order to fall in love with socialism and communism. If everyone had the same amount of money, then money wouldn't be worth anything. Capitalism must go. Revolutions involve violence. This is what this teacher is bragging about. And she teaches middle school students in a public school. So you wonder why I rant about education? Why do I continue to say we've got a problem in our schools? Well, right here you have it. And don't pretend it's just in Maryland. Don't pretend that. You know it exists here in Oklahoma, Ohio, Kentucky, Kansas, Arkansas, Texas. You know it does. And I've told you, I've given you examples of how it does. Well, anyway, Rothstein isn't done. When she's talking in her TikTok uh, account about uh, pro-Black Lives Matter riots, she says this. And she's referring to people that are in her comment section. And she says, there are so many blanks in my comment section, saying things like... What about all the burning of buildings and the looting and the rioting? Why do you care more about buildings than human lives, she says. It's like you're stomping around being like, all buildings matter. No, 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 they don't. And the fact that you don't understand where the rage is coming from, why there is so much rage of burning buildings, that's the exact problem. Again, very poorly written, but I'm reading directly from her quote. Essentially, she's saying, when you have a problem with all the looting and rioting, the destruction 
that was endemic to Black Lives Matter. You're saying, apparently, in her view, that you think buildings matter more than black lives. And then she says, no, 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 they don't. In fact, you don't understand where all the rage is coming from. And why are you so filled with rage about burning buildings? The fact that you are is the exact problem. Sorry to try to clarify her broken communication, but I want you to understand what she's saying. Then she says this, I am blanking angry, and it's weird as blank that you're not. And then she says, when I'm talking about the patriarchy or racism or police brutality, why the blank would you not be angry? (laughs) Does this sound like love? Does this sound like inclusion? Does this sound like tolerance and affirmation? No. And that's why I point out repeatedly that it's all a lie. The progressive argument for tolerance is laden with intolerance. The progressives who wave the banner of love trumps hate are the most hateful people in the current cultural debate. The progressives that talk about equality don't want equality because they've discarded the very word. They don't even allow you to use the word equality any longer. They want you to use the word equity, and there's a reason for it. And she actually tells us what that reason is here in a second, but let me read another quote. Reading again from the article here, it says this. She went on to say that, quote, boys should get vasectomies at birth or when it's safe to do so. Why is preventing pregnancy just on the woman? Close quote. So she's talking openly about indoctrination. She's talking openly about violent revolution. She's talking openly about indoctrinating your students with Marxism. And now she is saying, and she's not joking, this is not a joke, that boys should get a vasectomy forced, forced upon male children at birth, or at least when it's safe to do so. This, is this freedom? Is this justice? Is this equality? Are you going to sterilize girls at birth too, or just boys? Are you going to judge males at birth for being inferior to females, and you're going to sterilize them? Or are you going to sterilize everybody? Why are we even talking about this? It's because we've been teaching garbage in our schools, and we actually have a teacher who feels freedom, the freedom to actually espouse this garbage openly. And by the way, the school system was asked for comment, and they wouldn't provide it. They're not going to do anything. This teacher is safe. Okay, she talked about uh, being silent on Palestine and that that is rooted in white supremacy. So if you're supporting Jews now, you're a white supremacist because you support Jews? Again, the world is upside down. Uh, She went on to say that all white people, all white people, does this sound like categorizing people by the color of their skin? All people with that color of skin are that way. She says all people experience white privilege. And they cannot be oppressed. You cannot be oppressed. You cannot be the victim of injustice if you're white, if you have a certain level of melanin in your skin. Then that's just the way you are. And we're going to put you in a box. And don't argue that we shouldn't. Again, does this sound like racial justice? Well, it's not. But it is anti-racism. She goes on. Racism is a white person's problem. It is white people who are racist. And because she's white at least apparently so. She says this, um, it is not the job of people of color to teach us how we are being racist. We have to be responsible for our own selves and do better, close quote. I'm proud, she says, of my ability to recognize white privilege. White privilege is not about work ethic. White privilege is about the color of your skin. 
Again, she's bought the lie. She's imbibed the, imbibed the Kool-Aid. She believes that just because of the color of your skin, this is who you are. So this is the article that I'm talking about. Now let me share with you a comment that I received regarding my article that came out in the Washington Times this past weekend where I argued against diversity, equity, and inclusion. And I said diversity really isn't about diversity, it's about division. Equity is not about equality, in fact, it is the opposite of equality. It's about elevating one race above another race. It's actually racist rather than anti-racist. The whole argument for equity is the antithesis of MLK's dream. It's a Marxist nightmare. Uh, rather than judging people by the content of their character, it actually demands that you judge people by the color of their skin. That's the argument for equity. And then inclusion is the exact opposite. They exclude everyone that doesn't buy into their worldview and doesn't agree with them, and therefore it's the opposite of inclusion. And it's also synonymous with denial, because in their inclusive world, they deny science. She said she doesn't care about science. They deny math. They don't care about math. What they care about, what they care about in terms of inclusion, is actually denying everything that they find disagreeable. Everyone that disagrees with them, they will exclude. So in the name of inclusion, they will exclude all ideas and all people who differ with them. This is the radical utopia that they dream of, but it's really not a utopia. It's a dystopia because it will be controlled not by the people. Everything won't be held in common because you will own nothing and you will benefit from nothing other than that which is given to you by Big Brother, the government, and by the people in power. That's the world that she imagines, and those are the ideas that she is propagating, indoctrinating into the students under her charge in a public school in Maryland. So is she alone? Like I said, I want to share with you a comment that I received um, from my recent Washington Times column where, where I was arguing against diversity, equity, and inclusion, as I just described. And in my article, I, I describe DEI as they really are. The divisive rhetoric, the exclusion rather than inclusion, and the racism rather than um, anti-racism, rather than being colorblind, it's actually uh, fixated on color. Rather than judging people by character, it judges people by the way they look. That is the very definition of diversity, equity, and inclusion. And this woman just proved it. She's telling you that. She's not even hiding it. Well, my buddy Harry Harrington, on who comments on every article I write, uh, he's a troll, I guess. I don't know why he doesn't have something better to do with his time than reading my articles every week just to pick them apart. And he claims to be a Christian. In fact, he takes me to task repeatedly uh, in the comments section of my Washington Times column for being a heretic. I'm the heretic because I'm not adhering to the Bible, he says. But yet, this is what he says when I take on DEI. And I'm reading directly from his comment. This is what he says. Every time I read one of these articles, I realize how crazy racist Republicans have become. Covetousness has zero to do with DEI, but is the core of American capitalism. The idea that people are equal is ludicrous. Kids born rich have an advantage. Until as a nation we agree on equal outcomes, there should be stiff, even violent strife. That's what Harry says. Now, why did he talk about covetousness? Because I mentioned that in my column, and that DEI teaches people to covet. It teaches us to break one of the Ten Commandments, thou shalt not covet, because it teaches us to look outward in what, at what other people have and say, they've got what I want, they need to give part of theirs to me. 
That's the whole philosophical foundation to redistribution. The redistribution of wealth, um, wealth equity, racial equity, all of this talk of equity, of no money, therefore everyone will have the same, is the result of teaching us to covet what someone else has. They've got too much. They've got more than I have. They've got something I want. Therefore, take it away from them and give it to me. I want theirs. That's the definition of coveting. So he didn't like the fact that I pointed that out. So he says covetousness has zero to do with DEI, but is the core of American capitalism. No, American capitalism says you take responsibility for your own life. Don't try to steal from others. Earn it yourself. Make it yourself. Create it yourself. Because it's your vine, it's your branch, and when you sit under your vine and your branch, you shall enjoy freedom. That's Micah 4.4. Every man shall sit under his own vine and his own fig tree and shall not be afraid. You won't be afraid of despotism. You won't be afraid of people stealing your stuff when we recognize the virtue, the value of private property. That's Micah 4.4. And George Washington claimed that as one of his favorite verses. Okay, back to Harry's comment. The idea that people are actually equal is ludicrous. He says that. People aren't equal. So he's arguing against equality. And then he says, until as a nation we agree on equal outcomes, not equality, but equity, equal outcomes, redistribution, there should be stiff and even violent strife. So he too is arguing for violence. Here's my point. This worldview is broken. But I said I want to end on a positive. I wish I would have taken more time to do so. But I'm going to say this. There is a solution. And there is going to be redemption. And the proof of that, even though I've been somewhat skeptical of the Asbury revival, is that people are hungry. Even if the revival isn't totally grounded in biblical exhortation, it proves that the human spirit is yearning for something true and good and beautiful rather than this garbage and that any, even in Gen Z, they want more of the truth rather than these lies. And we have an opportunity to give it to them. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion.